She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house on this nice cold Saturday. If you have questions and you want to join the show, maybe you're working on your taxes. Um, they will not be actually open. The IRS opens on 124. So that's when the actual e-files will start going through. But up until then, they are taking and putting them in a holding cycle. So you will be able to do uh, some of the work that you need to do and get it out there. Because the most important thing is getting it filed. Remember, uh, the 2021 tax year will also have the stimulus or the recovery rebate um, for $1,400 for each person on the tax return. So that will be how if you never did receive that money, it's essential that you file a return, even if you don't think you need to or, or, you know, normally you don't have to maybe is a better term. Um, This way you can make sure you're going to get that last stimulus that you may have missed. So again, that will be on the 2021 tax return. I'm going to say it's essential that you guys make sure you receive the letters. The IRS are sending out one for the child tax credit. The other is for the stimulus or go online and pull your transcripts. Last year, a lot of people said they never received any of the stimulus money. They filed tax returns and the IRS basically came back and said, no, we're not approving your your things because we show you did receive it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. All right, let's go to Lisa. Um, Looks like she's in Nashville, hopefully staying warm. Hey, Lise. Hey, how are you, Dr. Friday? I am good. Uh, I've got a question about doing inventory and cost of goods sold. If I'm going to start my business this year, my inventory should be zero to start with. Mm-hmm. But what if what if I had a lot of supplies that I had bought for personal use at some point but then want to transition to incorporate into the business as far as it's making jewelry. So if I wanted to roll that in and have it as inventory, is there a way to do that? Sure. The offsetting entry is going to be your investment because you paid for that out of your own pocket and nothing to do with the business. So it's like when you open the bank account with a hundred dollars or whatever, um, you know, same kind of situation, that's money that came out of your pocket. So either owners draw members contribution, shareholders contribution, depending on what type of entity it is, but the offsetting entry would be, and remember it's your cost, not what it's worth, but your cost that would go in as the inventory, um, and then the offset would be your investment or share. I'm, are you sole proprietorship? So, well, uh, not LLC. yet. I, that's another thing. I've got to set up. I got to get an EIN. So I would okay. set up as a sole proprietorship. I'm assuming, and then get right. Sales tax, right. I would still that. set. I mean, if you're going to keep it simple, a sole proprietorship at first might be a good plan. That way, you don't have to worry about franchise excise and all the other little things that come along with anyone that has an entity. At least keep it simple until you know you're going to succeed. You always change it at that time, Lisa, and make it, you know, an LLC or something that might give you a little bit more protection. Um, of course, I'm not an attorney. I'm talking about taxes. But uh, that being said, I would still go to irs.gov and get a EIN number. I would not operate necessarily under my social security number. I don't want to 1099 somebody with, you know, 
with that information if I didn't have to. So right. um, I would yeah, put that out there. But me, yeah, so, so. yeah, so just basically you would, whatever the, whatever your original cost on what you have in inventory in the house, then you want to move it on your books. Then you would take those, those receipts, add them up and then add that in the offsetting entry would be owner's contribution or owner's investment. Um, and that would then later in life, you'll get paid back for that. Once the business starts making money, cause it'll show that they owe you money for that investment. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. All right. No problem. Thank you, sweetheart. All right. And so if you've got questions, a great question, actually, because it looks like she's getting her book set up. Um, But if we have other questions, you can join the show at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Obviously, it's that time again, guys, where taxes are coming in. You're going to want to make sure that you're getting all your tax forms. Do remember that your employer physically has until January 31st to put it in the mail to you. Um, Many of us are using now electronic services that will actually get it to the people a little faster, but uh, you can't really do anything until after that date. And in all honesty, uh, many employers, if you've moved, if you've relocated, if you've changed your email, whatever form of of communication you might have had, um, that's usually when we find that the information was sent out, but you're saying, oh, I didn't get it, I didn't get it. And it's because you relocated and you did not contact that employer. So if you did move, you might want to go ahead and just get on the phone and ask them if they can email you one or if they could update your address. Now they they physically can charge you a fee because they've already paid for it once to go out. So it's always good to try to keep your past employers informed. And I know a lot of times people are like, I don't even want to talk to them, whatever. It's still your job because that W-2 is essential to preparing a tax return. Um, I know there are some people that will use the final paycheck stubs. I am not keen on that. And also final paycheck stubs do not have federal ID numbers. So if you, unless you have something that shows that there's a federal ID number, because you have to have a federal ID number, a legal name on the business and an address, plus your, you know, all the information for box one through 12 or whatever on the W-2 or 1099. So it's essential that you contact those individuals and make sure that you have that going. So you're going to get 1099s. You're going to get W-2s. You'll have stock portfolios. Some people you'll have rentals in some individuals. Remember you'll have mortgage statements, property taxes, insurance, start putting all of those in a nice envelope. So that way you can organize and put them all together. So when you get ready to go do something, you have the ability to prepare those taxes. If you do it yourself, keep it all in one place, kind of have a master checkoff list. So that way, when you get ready, you don't want to have to stop in the middle and say, oh, darn it. I never received this form. And then you have to start trying to figure out how to do it. Try to start a little earlier. You might find it's a little better. Okay. So let's hit Charlie. Hey, Charlie, what's happening, love? How are you doing? I am doing awesome. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Down here in Pensacola. What can I do for you? You might want to this turn your radio off because there's a slight delay. Yeah, can you hear that? Sorry, yes, sir. That's right. Uh, this last year, me and the wife bought her family farm up in Iowa. So it is a secondary home, so to speak, but it is a farm. It's 40 acres. Uh, for tax filing purposes, we have about eight acres that 
for our own government program. So I receive a 1099G for that. Mm-hmm. And there's also 70 acres that we have a lease with the farmer across the street who just writes us a check a couple times a year. Now, should I claim those and keep it simple? And because I've been reading and there's all kinds of stuff as my pharma business and what I can deduct and what I can't deduct. And it really got me confused. Well, I mean, theoretically, I mean, if you're, if you've got contracts, is it contracts not to grow? I mean, I know there is some of those, um, or is yeah, it for a while? It's, it's CRP. It's just leave okay. it the way it is. You know, and that's what yeah, the so that way they don't have to worry about the con- yes. Yeah, so at this time, you're really not growing anything, but you do have the ability. The government's just saying, "Don't do it right now," right? Correct. Okay, so it's, it's I really usually consider those farms, um, and so you know, you would do a Schedule F. You would pick up the the gentleman that either pays you rent or if he's cutting hay and sharing the profits, or I don't know how he's paying you. Um, along with any government, and then you would have property taxes on this farm. That is a tax deduction. You would have possibly mortgage interest. Don't know. You know, I mean, um, all, I you, you know, you'd have all those deductions that you want to take against that income. Does do I get to deduct the entire mortgage interest and the entire property tax? You because would because the says, eight, I mean, most of it's being rented out to someone else. So therefore it is generating income Correct. and the but, other eight or whatever acres that the government has basically said, you know, we want you to leave a dormant right now is particularly, you know, I mean, it's still farmland and is able to be done otherwise. Now, I don't know if you have a farmhouse that you're renting out or, or whatever, but the land no. itself is all farmland. So is there a house on the property? There is. There's five acres that have been designated as farmhouse, barn, and outbuildings. But we we just go up there a couple times a year, so it stays empty. You know, other than that. Right. In the in the barn and all that is where you would store any farm equipment or anything that you use or would be using on the property. Correct. Yeah, if I did have one, <clears throat> he has his own <laughs> tractors and stuff across the street. Right. He, I mean, so, I mean, you know, you could certainly take it, but I would say at least a large chunk of it. Yes. Because the only purpose for this property right now is actually being rented out for the purpose of this farmer, if nothing else. Correct. You know, so maybe we wouldn't take a hundred percent, but we certainly would take a chunk. Well, yeah, no, like a home office is whatever percent of the house. So right. Do I deduct whatever percent 70 acres is or 40? Well, theoretically, it would be quite that simple um, because the land is um, probably not valued as much as the overall house. You know what I'm saying? If you were to sell the five acres in the house, you might get a lot more money than the other 30 or whatever number of acres you have. Um, right. And that's a guess. I, nowadays, I could be completely wrong. I've got people selling property, just land, dirt for a lot more than they used to. So, um, but that would be something you'd have to, a basic calculation, your head is in the right place. Come up with a fair assessment. As long as there's consistency, the government usually will go along with it, meaning that you didn't just try to say, okay, you know what, 100% here or that, you could actually do something along those lines. But I would probably, do you have a mortgage on the property? I do. Okay. Well, um, here's the other part. The way it's set up on farms is different. And the option, one of the options we had is just pay your payment once a year. 
So I technically haven't made any payments in 21. The first payment's not due until April of this year. Is that for taxes or for in uh, mortgage? That's for mortgage. Oh, okay. Um, I actually never heard that before, but that doesn't mean I, goodness, I'm always learning something, so don't hold that there. Uh, but that being said, and is it secured against just the debt or is it secured against the home or, or the whole package? It's, it's all together. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, again, I would probably sit down, try to figure out the value of what is actually being rented out or farmed versus the five acres in the home. Um, because you're not, you're using that as a second home and theoretically, you know, you would qualify as a second home, but you're, um, which would mean that part of that interest could fall onto the schedule a, but not all of it would be on the schedule F, if that makes sense. You may have to split it. Yeah. Does that help at all? It does help. Or have I confused you more, Charlie? (laughs) No, no, you've answered my question, but you know, my, my second idea was to get somebody to do it the first year and I can copy what they did for every year thereafter. Happens uh, <laughs> happens all the time. I would say that's a possibility um, is get somebody to, to complete the tax return. So that way, then you have something that, you know, you can copy and it's pretty much consistent at that point, unless you buy something else for the property or whatever. Now, how about our trips to and from twice a year? Are they tax deductible? Well, they'd be part of the farm. I mean, going back and forth to the farm. The question is, if you're not truly farming, what's the trips for? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you were to be right. audited, would an auditor say that you're basically going there for pleasure, not for work? Right. And that would be my, my question. Now, if you have to go there because basically you collect from that other person that's renting twice a year or whatever, and you go down there at the same time then that would be the answer. But if the gentleman's actually mailing or direct depositing or paying through Zillow or whatever, um, then the answer would be, you know, the the trips are not essential for the purpose of generating income. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. Not a simple answer. Thanks. Bye. All righty. See, that's the problem with some of these questions. So um, if you have a question, Please give us a call here in the studio, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your phone calls and, um, and questions you have. We'll be right back. All righty, we are here back live in studio. If you want to join us, you can, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Checking on uh, things that might be happening uh, with the filing by the IRS. Of course, again, tax day is actually starting on January the 24th. Uh, 1099s, W-2s, basically all due on January 31st. There is some extensions available out there, which could put some employers and individuals out till um, end of February, actually. So just as a point of interest, 
The IRS has put out a five-point checklist that can help many people speed their tax returns along. I thought it might be interesting to see what they are. Of course, the first thing was filing accurate returns, always a good idea, and using e-file and direct deposits to avoid delays. I have to say I agree with that. I find that anytime you paper file or you wait for a check, it will delay the possibility of having to deal with that. For accurate returns, collect all documents before preparing your return. Again, you know, people have a tendency, I need to file my taxes. I need to file my taxes. And that's great. But with the last two years, especially with tax law changing in March, having to do with unemployment, then the the IRS making a mistake. And in some cases, putting too much on um, individuals that are in in non-community property states, they made some mistakes. And then of course, you know, we have the child tax credit this year along with that. So we need to make sure that we're not rushing to the finish line just to get there when it might be smarter because there's nothing worse than A, a delay in your tax return, B, because you forgot to file a W-2, a 1099, you you missed uh, reporting or not reporting the stimulus, Take a breath, make sure that you've got everything, match it up, and then go for it. A lot of people have worked multiple jobs in the last few years, again, because of uh, COVID and everything. All right, we've got Kim in Nashville. We've got Kim in Nashville. Hey, Kim, what's happening, sweetie? Hi, Dr. Friday. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, I've got a 21-year-old son that lives at home with me. Can I file as head of household and claim him as a dependent? Well, you can if he is a dependent, which means you have to provide more than 50% of his support, which if he's oh, not paying definitely. you, rent, okay, then yes, he is a, he's a, a, a dependent. He's not a child credit, but he is a dependent, which means that you would qualify for the $500. Um, and if you both did not get the $1,400, depending on your income and everything, then you might qualify for $1,400 each on the pat, the last stimulus. You may have received that already, but yes, you could do that. Yeah, I did receive it, but he did not. Okay. Well, you would be able on that tax return, you'd be able to um, claim it and then be able to get that money for him if he did not. Great. For, okay. for you, whichever way it will come on your tax return. Okay. That helps so much. No problem. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. So again, I just want to make sure before you guys fill out those tax returns, the IRS has sent out two letters and they basically are coming out this next week here. Um, They said they were going to have them out in late December. I've got people that are just receiving them now, but they said they sent them out. So you have the advanced child tax credit uh, that's on a 6419, the letter number 64, but it's advanced child tax credit. And then you had the third economic impact letter, which is a 6475. That's for the, and, and even though you think, or we, it's been put out there as the stimulus on the IRS letter, it's going to be called recovery rebate credit, RRC. Um, so when you fill out your tax return, you're going to want to make sure that you're going to have to fill it one way or the other. But this time, guys, you might want to just make sure, because I know a ton of you guys listening to this day right now, many of you are sitting there going, I never received all of my stimulus money. I never got it. I filed in a tax return. They refused it. And the IRS is turning around. Now, I know personally, we have two cases where we have, we've grabbed all the banks 
We have shown in there that there was no money that was direct deposited because it would have went directly in. And in these particular two cases, I'm fortunate enough to have where any deposit that was over 600 or 1200 or whatever the dollar amount we were looking for is we have um, an actual copy of the deposit slip. In most cases, it was payroll. Um, so it's a very straightforward situation. The money never made it to their bank. That's what we're being told we're going to need to do. Um, uh, I have to give a big kudos out to the tax advocates office. Um, they have done amazing for my clients because I know they've got to be overwhelmed. Um, but the tax advocate, if you are a person that has an IRS issue that you've got all the documentation, you've submitted it and submitted it, and you keep getting collection letters or detail and you're not getting any kind of um, resolution. Um, I know, you know, obviously we do that every day, but you know, if you want, you can also go to the tax advocate office. I'm, I'm sure they'll appreciate me sending uh, hundreds of people, but you know, by doing that, it may be a way of getting resolution for you um, when it comes to dealing. Now, sometimes you have gotten, it's just not the answer you want, but in many, many cases, in many of my cases standing out there, I mean, I, I use the tax advocate office several times because you can send out and you can certify and you can send out the documentation, but next thing you know, two or three weeks later or two or three months later, you're getting another collection bill. Meanwhile, there's never been a response on the information you submitted. They need to have, and I don't know how it works, you know, I mean, I've been at this 20 plus years, but, you know, we have a tendency to send it to every address we can find saying this is our response to this letter and copy and, and certify it out there. And it still has a tendency not to actually get found or processed. And I know they're going to tell us that half the problem is they don't have enough employees. That being said, don't know if I totally agree. I think if they could just automate things a little bit, it would be so complicated. But the last couple of years has been harder than the IRS. Okay. We were working through the list of five things. So first thing, making sure your returns are accurate, e-file and direct deposits. Second, again, accuracy, collecting all your documents, and also making sure that you've talked about your stimulus and your advanced child tax credit. Again, the advanced child credit, you would have had a form 6419. And the third uh, economic impact letter, you would have the 6475. Both of those letters are really, really important. Um, avoid lengthy phone calls by using the online sources. This is their third thing. So if you've got a question, they do have a Q&A. All you have to do is go to irs.gov, click on the uh, tax or in the search engine, you could put Q&A and it would bring up the different ones. Wait on 2020 tax route to be processed. Special tips for helping e-file in 20. In order to validate and successfully submit electronic reform tax return for the IRS, taxpayers need their adjusted gross from their prior tax return. And if the IRS has not processed your 2020 return to be processed, here's a special tip to ensure the taxpayers is accepted by the IRS processing. Make sure you enter zero dollars for the last year AGI on your 2021 tax return. That's right. The IRS is saying when you get ready to e-file your 2021 even though the 2020 was not processed yet, it's still being processed. When they ask you, what was your prior year AGI? Enter zero on the tax return for those who use a non-file or two in 2021 to register for advanced childhood or third pack. This should, they should enter $1 as the prior year AGI. 
Okay. Again, you know, in 2020, 2021, a lot of people just wanted to get that money. So they went into those tools. And the next thing that happened was a tax return was filed. They didn't even realize it, but there was. And so now that's what's holding up 2020 taxes for many people is because they're showing more than one return. They're showing the one that you went online and the other. So again, if your 2020 tax return was not accepted yet, you haven't received your refund or anything, but you want to go ahead and get in there and get your 2021 tax return filed. If you did not file it through the impact, uh, the economic impact payment, you will put a zero. If you did file and, and register through the advanced child tax credit or for the third impact, you will put a dollar. Everyone else should into the proper numbers. This is only for individuals that actually have not processed their 2020 returns, but need to start processing their 2021. I thought that was really interesting because many times people will say to me, you know, how do I do an e-file if I don't have my prior year information? Well, boom, the IRS just told you for the year of 2021, that's exactly what you're going to do. Can't tell you it's going to work for other years because this has been a really unique time period with all these advanced child credits and economic impact checks and all of that. But right now, that's what you're going to do. All right, we're going to take our second break and you can join us here live on the radio at 615-737-9986. And we're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. with a third part of our show. And if you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. And let's go to Cecilia. Yes. Ah, look at that. I wasn't too sure if I was going to say your name right. That's why my parents named me Friday. I think they figured I wasn't going to be good <laughs> with names. Anyway, sweetheart, what can I do for you? Well, I... Uh, 2022, I sold my primary residency. Um, I lived there for 16 years. I paid 143000 for it. I just sold it for three seventy-five. Do I have to pay capital gain? And if I do, do I deduct the amount that the realtors, I had to pay for the realtors and the title company and all that? Okay, so the good news is no, you sold it at like the perfect. I mean, you could have sold it up for $393 and still paid zero tax, and you would have been able to deduct real estate fees. So be, you know, so you are at zero tax, assuming you're single. If you're married, you're way under, but if you're single, you're still perfect. So you will not have any capital gains tax, you will need to report it on your 2022 tax return, just showing it as a primary home sale. So you get the exclusion turned on. But other than that, it's going to be just paperwork, no tax dollars. Okay. So when I do, uh, do file the taxes for next year, how, I, I guess I have to purchase another home. No, no, purchase? no, you don't. That's the old tax law. So the new tax law or the one that's been around a little while, but most people remember that one. This one is you have a $250,000 exclusion as a single person or 500,000 as a married. You do not have to reinvest your income. So whatever you do with that money, you want to go party? No, I'm just joking. Mm -hmm. um, anything you want, sweetheart, you don't have to worry about the government and there's no mandate to reinvest. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, Dr. Friday. Thank you so no much. No problem, sweetheart. Thanks for calling. Thank I appreciate you. it. You're welcome. All righty. Let's go to Scott in Nolensville. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? I am doing pretty darn good. How about yourself? 
And I'm doing good. Got a frog in my throat, though, but uh, other than that, I'm okay. Good. I have a, a question about uh, removing uh, gold from an IRA. I removed it in uh, January, and it was valued at, you know, we'll just say round number, say 50000 mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, to pay the tax on them because it's actual gold or silver, mm-hmm. uh, I took out 10000 from another IRA and paid it straight to the government. And I was curious on how do I, uh, what value do I put on the gold? Do I do it the day that I took it out, or does the IRS want me to take it out at the end of the year's value, or how does that work? Yeah, it's at the time that you actually did the distribution would be the value. Okay. Um, And as far as, you know, that's what you're going to put in there. So, you know, the funny thing is, is that, when we take money in and out of IRAs, even though you're holding gold in there or silver, any precious yeah. metals, um, you know, it's going to be, um, it's going to be ordinary income, right? Straight out. Yes. Let's just say 50,000. So you got $50,000 ordinary income. You went ahead and, and now you've got another, now was the other one a Roth or was it just a regular IRA as well? It was just a regular IRA too. Okay. Um, and so I'm let's say you'd have 60 grand so. that came out and you paid 10 to the government. Yes. Right. Or something along those. I mean, whatever. The yeah, math just, might that's be. about but, it. Yeah. Yeah. So that should be fine. I mean, all in all, depending on your other income and all those good things that go along with it. But theoretically, it's a little bit less than 20 percent paid in. So, um, you know, it would work. I mean, as far as the basic math. But yeah, that would be. Okay. And, and they should send you since it's an IRA, it should come out as a 1099 R to you. OK, the, the, great. The, the IRA should send you the yet, numbers. But- Right. They have to the end of the month. But yes, you should you shouldn't have to worry about putting the conversion. It should be already done for you through the IRA. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Uh, Also, the the man who called in earlier about his uh, going to see his farm. Uh I do that quite often. And, you know, if they ever question, well, are you going there for pleasure? Well, I have a choice. I can go to Yellowstone, Grand Tetons, or I can go to the Panhandle of Texas. What do you you think I really want to do for pleasure? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the, you know, I mean, my opinion would be is make it something work, right? I mean, there's always repairs, maintenance and things that have to be done on most of our farms. So it wouldn't be that difficult, but I I did, you know, I mean, he has to make that decision. If he's going there and just sitting in the house, well, then that's probably not going to be a good excuse for for honor. But he does need to, to keep an eye on the property and make sure that the tenant is doing things properly. So You're absolutely correct. I like it. Thanks. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. I listen you to your show uh, every day. Uh, oh, well, thank every, you. Every Saturday on every the way Saturday. home from work. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thank you, babe. Bye-bye. Okay. Why don't we go ahead and hit, uh, looks like Pete. Pete from Nashville's next. Hey, Pete. Hey, how you doing, Fry? I'm doing pretty good. What do you got going? Oh, I want to thank you for uh, the Christmas uh, gift card that I want on your show for Christmas. Well, thank you for listening. We love Dr. Electric, and I love having our Christmas shows. Okay. I got a question about the RMD. I, I guess that guy almost answered it. Say, uh, um, I think they extended the uh, age limit on that to 70 and a half to 72. Is that correct? Right. They changed it from 70 to, uh, yeah, 70 and a half to 72. Yes, sir. Okay. Does that mean the year that you turn 72? So that means if you turn 72 and 2022, then you have to take it out uh, 12, 31, 22. Correct. You would have to take it out by the last day of the year. Yes. 
Okay, now they issue me a ten ninety nine. Say if I had um take five thousand out, what would the ten ninety nine look like? Would like in box one, would it have gross amount five thousand and then the taxable amount five thousand? Yes, if sir. Yes. And the only thing I would suggest is if you have any charitable, I would actually use that money and have them write a check directly to the charity because then you would have no tax on what was paid to the charity. Okay. Now that's ordinary income, but where does it go on your tax form? Because I see where they have an IRA distribution, but is that considered other income? It, yeah, it would, it would actually go up there on the on the front page of the 1040 where it says IRAs and I want to say pensions, maybe it could be the, you know, you have annuities, pensions and IRAs anyways up there in that top section, the first seven or eight numbers on the tax return. And that's where you would actually have it. And normally box one would go on to the section that's in like the body of the tax return and box two goes over in the tax side where everything gets added to become taxable or not. Okay. Well, say if I had my, in my uh, 401k, I had a hundred thousand. And I wanted to cash it all out, and they took uh, twenty thousand out. Is that considered twenty thousand income or what? Yeah, you would it'd still be a hundred percent income. It's just that under the twenty thousand that they withheld, that would go on page two of the ten forty, where it shows withholdings from taxes. So how would the ten ninety nine look? Would it, would it, it would show still be box one and box two would be a hundred grand each, and then box four would have the twenty thousand. I believe it's box four. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. And uh, if you had a pension, if you had a pension and you took the lump sum, how would that figure in your Social Security tax? Not good. It would be all Um, gone at one time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So if you have a pension, it's going to, it's going to turn around most likely depending on I me. Mean, I have some people that have very, very small pensions, but in most cases, if you're getting more than like $20,000 in either pension or IRA distributions, you're going to start having your social security taxed up to 85% of what you receive from social security can be taxed. But I mean, but if you take it in a lump sum, you won't, you won't get it every, you know, you won't have nothing reported. Well, you're right. You, if you do it one gone. time, but you, if you take it in a lump sum, the other side of that conversation, Social Security will be taxed up to 85%. So you, you might kick all of that in. But also your Medicare could go up because they means test Medicare. So maybe right now you're paying, I don't know, $170,000 or $170. And, and if you add another hundred grand in there, you might end up paying $350 uh, per a month for another year until the next year you file and shows lower income. So be careful in doing those large distributions when you're on um, Medicare, in my opinion. Okay. Oh, okay, one more all question. Right. Okay. Sure. And if you have, a, if I cashed in all my four one, you know, if I had a hundred thousand, I cashed it all in. You don't have to pay any more taxes on that money, right? Right. You wouldn't have. I mean, unless you put it someplace where it's growing again, and then there might be some interest or dividends. But that's true. You would cash it all out at one time. My suggestion would be is possibly do it over a two or three years, so that way you don't pay more in Medicare or have as much tax in Social Security. I mean. It really would be up to you, but you are correct in what you're thinking. If you cash it all out, there's only a one-time tax on it. Yes. So you can put that uh, money on your mattress and never pay no, any more taxes on it, right? Yeah, please don't do that. Pete, come on. <laughs> what? There's a fire. Let's a fireproof box at least, crazy man. But yes, your answer is correct. Okay. Well, thank okay. You. Thanks, boss. Uh-huh. All right. Let's see if we can get okay. Bernard on. Bernard in Clarksville. Hey, Bernard, yes, what can ma'am. I do for you, sweetie? Thanks for calling. Uh, I just got uh, uh, 
easy question. Um, I'm, me and my wife, we're just only having uh, living off of Social Security right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only other income I have, which is non-taxable, is a uh, 100% oh, disability sure. and the uh, VA. Mm-hmm. My question is, well, do, do I still have to uh, file taxes? No, sir. I don't have to file? Okay, thank you. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Thanks. Okay. Okay, uh-huh. bye-bye. Hey, Robert in Hendersonville. Robert, what can I do for you? Oops, I lost Robert. Let's hit Todd in Spring Hill, my town, Spring Hill. Hey, Todd. Hey, Dr. Pradik. Um, thank you for taking the call. My sure. uh, question is this. My daughter just had a baby, but the, um, my first grandson was born on uh, December 30th. In our taxes, does, or her taxes, does she claim the child for a whole year, or is it whole calculated year? by Isn't day that or wonderful? Month? Like I was born whole in January, year. so Yay. the whole thing, yeah. So if you were born on December 31st, the parents had the perfect tax baby. No, um, yes, <laughs> your daughter did good. Get that baby out. So December, <laughs> yeah. So the biggest thing will be is it sometimes takes a little while to get the social security numbers and you will need that on the tax return. But um, as far as your answer, that child will report and for the whole year of 2021. Well, when I was looking at the taxes for her, because he's counted as a whole year, does that mean he also gets the stimulus as if he was alive for the whole year? My definition, from my understanding, the answer is yes. Okay. That's, that's what I thought, too. May I ask you one last question? Sure. No problem. On the stimulus checks that were sent out, do we need to file those forms that you had mentioned earlier um, with our taxes, the 6419 and the 6475? You don't, I mean, I'm assuming you're filing electronically, but even if you're paper filing, you do not need to attach them. Um, The government, as long as you use the information that was supplied on them, you'll be fine. Excellent. Gosh, thank you for your uh, advice today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, let's take our last break here. And if you've got a couple questions, you can certainly still join us live here when we get back at 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. And we're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. We are back with the final part of our show for this cold Saturday. Um, so if you've got a question, now would be the time to jump on. We've got about six minutes left. 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about taxes and what we should and shouldn't be doing. Keep in mind, most of the advice I'm giving you guys is all generic to a point. Everybody's taxes will be slightly different. As an enrolled agent licensed by the Internal Revenue Service, what I do is taxes and representation. I always do a tax return with the idea, can we can we support the entries? Can we document what we need to be documenting. You don't want to be going to bed at night worrying that, oh my gosh, the IRS is going to pull this tax return. There was a big newsletter that came up from the IRS just, uh, I think it was yesterday, um, where they said they're hiring 200 or looking for 200 attorneys that will help represent uh, and try to start dealing with tax fraud and, and those kind of things. So they're looking for 200 experienced attorneys to focus on the abuse
abusive tax deals. Um, so, you know, we all know that there was some money from, uh, it never really passed, but uh, there's been some money in all the bills that will help the uh, IRS start hiring again. So just important to know, you don't want to file your taxes with the idea that you hope you cross your fingers that you can get away with something, you know, I mean, rather pay it now and not have to worry about it than have to worry about getting audited, getting caught and then paying, you know, a hundred percent more because penalties, interest, and uh, all the other things that come along with dealing with tax issues. So that's my theory. And also all my entrepreneurs, keep in mind the IRS does. I mean, I had someone that came up and said, you know, making estimated tax payments is just something you can do. It's not something you have to do. I want to clarify that because I'm not too sure where they got that off the internet, but it is not something you just can do. There are penalties if you do not pay quarterly taxes. Some of my clients go in knowing that they're going to get hit with a 0.5 penalty per a month for not paying quarterlies. That's fine. Some people say they can make more money on their money than doing it, but that is a choice you're making. The IRS specifically says you have to make four equal tax payments based on the prior year taxes, paying up to 110% or 100% of the taxes to avoid all penalties. That's the tax law, people. So make sure that you aren't just uh, winging it out there a little bit because there's more and more people that are getting into the world of entrepreneurship, which I think is awesome. I'm an entrepreneur, love, uh, love dealing with people that are entrepreneurs, but just like some of the um, individuals like Lisa that was start, uh, starting up her own jewelry business and things, you want to start it out right. Sounds like she's setting up her books. She's trying to figure out what's the best way to handle it because accounting is a part of business. So if you don't know how or what you're doing and you're just kind of estimating how things are going to happen, that is probably not the best plan. So you want to make sure that you are filing and making sure all of your taxes are done and dealing with. Because at this point, if you haven't paid all four of your quarterlies, penalties and and um, interest and all that is already accumulating. For the year of 2021, the final payment was supposed to be done on January 18th. Now, if you made more money in 2021 than you did in 20, you might actually have already overpaid enough where it's not a problem. But I'm just saying, make sure you understand how the tax law works so you don't get yourself in a situation where you can sit back and say, wait a second, why did the government pay, uh, charge me penalty? I paid it all when I filed my taxes. Oh, I've had that many, many times. And when you filed your taxes on April 15th, you were already three months late for the final estimated. Forget the fact that you should have been making them almost a year ago because April 15th is when we make our first estimate unless there's a delay or a change. That's the kind of thing you want to basically have going. So make sure you understand how the tax law works. So that way you put more money in your pocket. All right, we got John on. Let's see if we can get him through. Hey, John, what's happening, sweetheart? Hey, how you doing? Um, I got a question. I'm going to start um, like a small tie-dye business, like an Etsy thing. Cool. What do I need to know? Um, bottom line, you need to set up it just like, even though it's a small one, you still want to treat it as a basic. So if you're going to be doing a tie-dye, there's going to be T-shirt purchases. You might be buying them in bulk. There's going to be, and I'm guessing, but stains. And all the things you need to do your business, whatever that might be. And you're going to, if you do it in Etsy, there are fees and things you're going to be paying if the, if you sell through Etsy. So you're going to have all of that. My suggestion, if you're not a computer person, 
be a paper person. All you have to do is, you know, set up a basic spreadsheet or documentation that basically says, okay, I spent this much money on coloring or whatever it's called, dye this much on t-shirts, you know, and all these different things that you have going so that you can actually turn around. And then if someone buys them, you can write off because some of those t-shirts you might be buying may become either examples, maybe waste, because not every Terry shirt turns out exactly the way you wanted it, even though, you know, you did it. Right. So, you know, you need to be tracking all of that. So that way you can turn around and you might not make money. But if you're making the attempt to make money, at least for the first three years, you pretty much can do, you know, as long as you're tracking those expenses, you may have losses that will actually help you in the big picture of things. But if you don't track wow. it and treat it like a business, the government's going to come in and say, that's a hobby. He's only doing four t-shirts a year and that's, he's not trying, but wait, I have an itsy right. ad. I'm putting them out there. I'm creating new t-shirts all the time. I'm attempting, right. I've got a business, you know, format and all this. They can't actually argue the point then because you are attempting to be a successful business. Wow. Do I need a business license? You would need you know, a business and, license if you, but only if you start selling over $3,000. So first you got to make okay. a little money before a business license is even required on a startup. Okay. And that, and that includes like little pop-ups at events or farmer's markets or right. anything like Again, that. Exactly. I mean, at first, I mean, if you're not making more than 3000 a year in this business, then it's, it's not going to be a, uh, in the state of Tennessee. It's not a problem. Now you may awesome. actually have to get a sales tax license at some point as well because you will be starting to collect associate some of these events they actually do have you um you know they they come by and collect the sales tax on some of them you know how much was your sales right. here's your form you know pay this so that right. would be the you know the situation but you starting out just do a good job in getting your inventory and your costs together and then as you start branching out to different events and different centers we may actually have to get county city license actually in the county or city you're doing the event in in some cases if it's a big enough event wow okay yeah. well, i appreciate your help i appreciate hey, no you problem. and i enjoy your show thanks john appreciate the phone call all right, guys, this is the almost the end of the Dr. Friday show. So let's get the info out there. So if you want, you can um, first you can go to the website, drfriday.com, D-R-F-R-I-D-A-Y.com. If you've got questions and need to understand, you know, what you need to do next, you can always find out who I am. And you can also email me through the website. But if you want to email me directly, you also can do that. It's Friday at drfriday.com. Again, F-R-I-D-A-Y at D-R-F-R-I-D-A-Y.com is my email. Easiest number on Monday morning to get a hold of me, 615-367-0819, 615-367-0819. The best thing I can tell you right now, if you're thinking about starting a business, January is always a good time to start a business because a lot of times people start the fresh of the year, they're fresh, they're ready. Um, just be organized about it. Start a separate bank account, ideally, you know, so you put your own personal funds in and then you pay all of the costs through that, that bank account. So that way you have everything. If you use a debit card, a credit card, Track it all that direction. And then making sure you're getting all your tax forms. Very important. Don't file your taxes unless you know you've gotten all your forms. Don't make educated guesses or assume the IRS isn't going to know who it is. Because you know what? They are going to know. It's all tracked through. We report all this information directly to the IRS. I hope you guys have a wonderful Saturday. It's a bit nippy out there, but I hope you guys have a great time. Call you later.